Hello everyone, welcome back to the Kingdom Concepts Podcast. This is your host, Lamar Biggs, and I pray that you were blessed tremendously by the first snippet that was posted the other day. I've been getting some real positive feedback where persons said they have been challenged to, to move forward, they've been inspired, they're, they're excited, and you know, I just want to say thank God for all of that, and I pray that Everyone will have their own testimony concerning, you know, being able to take a bold step. And so I'm here again. Good morning, good afternoon, good night to you whenever you're listening to this, wherever you are. And this is like a follow up. OK, this is a follow up. And so it, it, it's building organically. Structure is coming into play. But this is just getting our feet wet. So I thank you guys for being a part of the journey from the get-go. So we'll be able to look back a few months from now and say, wow, I remember when this just got started. And we'll be looking at the lives that were impacted for God and say, wow, you know, look what the Lord has done. I'm speaking that, believing that God is going to do mighty things through this platform. Right? So tonight, I want to speak to us about how do we move from doing something, you know, taking that bold step, doing something that is going to be consistent? Tonight we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, right? But before I get into the topic, let me share a few testimonies with you. Because the Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so what I'm about to share with you right now, it's not something that I'm just hoping for. It's not something that I'm just wishfully thinking about. It's something that I've proven time and time again. And so it's not coming from a place of superficiality. It's coming from a real place. The topic that we're going to look at is what do you have to give? What do you have to give? Right? I will get into the details in a bit, but let me share some testimonies with you guys. First of all, I've experienced God as a healer, as a provider, as a protector, as a father, as a way maker, a deliverer, you name it. The list goes on and on and on again. But I'll just share a few right now, just so you can understand that what I'm about to share with you is coming from a place of someone who has experienced this firsthand. I remember having a particular cyst on my hand, my left hand, right where your wrist meets the forearm. There was a huge cyst right there. And I remember, you know, being in so much pain and discomfort, I had to go to the doctor about it found out that I might have to do surgery. But the one thing that triggered my fate was this. The person I spoke to told me that there's no guarantee that after doing the surgery, it will not return. And I was like, nah, <laughs> that's not going to work. And so I got the doctor's report and I went back and I prayed and I said, God, you are the healer that I read about. I've heard others testify of you being a healer. I want to have my own testimony. The doctor told me that is, there's no guarantee that this thing won't come back. So let me trust you, the great physician, the Lord who heals us, 
And that was around 2010. And I can tell you from, from the time that that cyst was miraculously removed, it has not returned. Right? That's one. Now, for you guys who have to interact with the U.S. Embassy, you know they're very strict with certain things. And I was in a particular situation one summer when I was supposed to travel on the work and travel program. And this was late. This was already me. A lot of my friends had already started working. And I just got a job. So paperwork had to go through from start. And this was in me. And so I got, a, I got an appointment from the embassy, which was, I believe it was May 31. This is a significant event. So I remember some of the dates. It was 2011. And I was like, mm, this is not going to work. If I get the appointment then, it will take a few days. And then I got to book tickets. And I, I would have already missed out about a month of potential work. And I'm like, no, it's not going to work. So I went on their website. I checked, I saw all the different categories of reasons that they accepted for emergency appointments. You know, death, um, family emergency, graduations, things of the sort. And so, based on the list that I saw, there was nothing that suited my situation that would enable them to give me an earlier appointment. But you know what I said to myself? What do I have to lose? All I will do is just ask them for an earlier date, plea my cause, and if they say yes, if they say no, so be it. But I'm going to ask. And so I, I didn't see any categories or any subcategories that would say yes, this could work. But I went ahead anyway. Long and short of the story, the U.S. Embassy gave me an earlier date. So I was able to do the, the visa interview get through and shave a significant amount of time of my travel arrangements, right? I've seen God open doors. I've seen God giving me favor with people that made no sense to me or to the people who showed me that favor, all for his glory. So I just want you to understand that when I'm speaking, I'm speaking from a place of confidence, knowing that the God that I'm recommending you to trust and to exercise radical faith, to exercise great faith in. He has already proven himself in my life, not just in the lives of Elijah and Moses and David and those in the scriptures, but we have examples around us. And I can honestly and sincerely say that I am one of them. So with that said, let's get into this now. What do you have to give? What do you have to give? We have a very popular saying, little is much when God is in it. But I'm not sure how many of us actually believe that. I'm not sure how many of us as believers actually practice that in our lives. So let me ask a question one more time. What do you have to give? I'm going to look at a few situations that were mentioned in the Bible. And you will choose from that and say, okay, what, which one of these apply to me? And what can I do to change my perspective, change my mentality, and prove God like never before? What can I do 
to take me from a place of safety being on the seashore to launching out into the deep where faith is concerned in terms of what I expect God to do for me. What will it take for me to exercise that mustard seed kind of faith that will bring forth great miracles and signs and wonders, not just in your life, but in the lives of those connected to you? So we're going to look at a few things here now. So get your scriptures, get your Bibles, whether the written one or the one on your tablet, your phone, laptop, desktop, get your Bibles, right? Follow me in scripture to see whether or not what I'm saying is so. All right. So the first place we're going to look tonight, the first place we're going to look is Exodus 4 verse 17. Now we know the story goes in Exodus. Moses sees this great wonder. This bush was on fire, but the leaves weren't consumed. And so he had a dialogue. God commissioned him and said, hey, I'm going to send it to Pharaoh. You guys know the story. If you don't, just go and read it through Exodus chapter 3 onwards. So we're at Exodus chapter 4, verse 17. And I want you to take note of this verse because we're going to see how it links in future reference. Exodus 4, 17 says, And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. This was God speaking to Moses saying, Take this rod with you wherever you go because you will use it to do signs. Mark that. Exodus 4, 17. Let's move over to Exodus 14. We're going to start from verse 14, reading all the way to 16, and then 21. Right? So Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. That was Moses. Verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Why do you cry unto me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up your rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Right? So Moses and the children of Israel, they got into a situation. They had mountains on the sides. They had the Red Sea in front. And then the Egyptians were pursuing after them. And so they stopped. The, Egypt, the, the, the Israelites were saying, Moses, man, it was better if you left us in Egypt, man. You carry us out here in the wilderness to be, to be killed because there weren't any graves in Egypt. And so Moses was trying to encourage them. But God said, why are you crying out to me? I already told you in Exodus 4 verse 17 to take this rod. You have the rod with you. Why are you crying out to me? Use what you have. Right? Use what you have. What did the Lord say? In verse 16. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. This is what happened next. Let's go over to verse 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea dry land. And the waters were divided. Now let us stop here for a moment. 
if certain things aren't happening in our lives, it's one of two things. Okay? It's either disobedience or it's just not your time. It's either disobedience or it's not yet your time. The Lord told Moses, take this rod with you, which he did. The Lord told Moses, stretch out your rod over the sea and it shall be parted. And then Moses actually did what the Lord told him to do. Some of us have been given the rod, whatever that is for you. You know what that is, that gift, that skill set, right? That attribute, that character trait. God has given that to you and he has told some of us to do some things, but we have not yet started to do those things, which is why we haven't received the results that we desire. Some, like Saul, King Saul, started out well, but changed the plan in the middle. That's what we don't want. That's what we do not want. Whenever God spoke to Noah or Moses, it said, and they did according to all that the Lord God had commanded them. So Moses had his rod with him from Exodus 4, verse 17. And when we got to chapter 14, there was now the grand finale. Right? He had already turned it into a serpent and used it to strike the waters and all these things. But no, this was the grand finale. Don't cry to me. Now, some of us may find ourselves in some situations where we are crying out to God for answers. We are crying out to God for some things. And like Moses, the Lord might be looking at you and be like, why are you crying out to me? I've already gifted you with whatever you need to conquer this situation. I've already given you the favor, the skill, the knowledge, the wisdom, you name it. I've already given that to you. What are you doing with what I've given you? Do something. Right? Moses, you have the rod. You've done miracles before. Why are you crying now? Stretch for There's a seat in front of you. And you need to get across. Why are you crying out to me, bro? Stretch for your rod and let the seas be divided. That's it. So the Lord challenged Moses to do something with what I've given you. Do something with what I have given to you. Right? That's one. We move over into the book of Esther. And we go into chapter 4. We're going to chapter 4. We're going to read verse 10 to 17. Now we know the situation. Esther became queen and there was an enemy in the camp called Haman that desired to kill all the Jews. But Mordecai learned of the plot and he highlighted the queen. But Esther was like, you know what, you know, you can't just go into the king like that, you know, if he hasn't requested you and you don't get the golden scepter extended, you might die and this, that, that. And Mordecai is like, okay. Listen, don't think for a minute, Esther, that you are just in the palace for your pretty looks, right? Because if you choose to stay silent in a time like this, 
know that God will raise up somebody else to deliver his people. Know that. But you don't know whether or not God placed you in the palace for such a time as this. Now, I'm challenging believers who are occupying positions of, of influence and, and, and policy making and strategy decisions. Don't think you're just there because of your qualifications. Don't think you're just there because of, of your career advancement. God strategically places his people in places of influence just for such a time as this. So I implore you, if you're in a position where your voice can make a difference, I'm imploring you to speak out. Because like the Lord Jesus said, if people keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Saul did not accomplish what God told him to do and the Lord rejected him and replaced him just like that. You do not want to be replaced in this season. So if God has placed you in a position of authority, a business owner, a CEO, a VP, a president of a particular board, a chairman, a supervisor where you can, your input is valuable to your company's growth and advancement, use it for the kingdom. Ask God what is it that he has you there for, where his kingdom is concerned, and let his perfect will be done. So Moses had a rod. He used it. After Mordecai showed Esther the severity of the situation, she said, okay, you and the people fast from me and I and my maidens will fast as well. Three days, three nights, don't eat no food, don't drink nothing. We're going to fast and we're going to pray and I'm going to go into the king. And if I perish, I perish. Esther had influence and she decided to give that back to God. And as you know, the story goes. God came through mightily for his people where not, none of the Jews were, were, were executed according to Amon's plan. Right? Moses, at the rod, used it. Esther had a position of influence and she used it. So I'm, I'm, I'm begging you guys, wherever you are listening to this, wherever you are, if God has blessed you to be in a position of influence, ask him what is the kingdom reason for me being where I am? And I, I guarantee you, he will show that to you. We have a next situation over in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 16, with the prophet Elijah and his widow woman. We know the story. Elijah told King Ahab and Jezebel that, listen, because of the wickedness that you're doing, no rain will fall until I say so. And the Lord said, sent him to hide and had him at a brook. Drinking from the brook and commanded ravens to feed him. But when the brook dried up, the Lord said, Okay, get up from here. Go to a place called Zarephath. I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. But check the irony of the situation. When Elijah got to Zarephath, he met a widow woman gathering sticks. And when he said to her, Give me some water, she was willing. But when he said, and bring me a small cake also, that lady said, listen, man, I'm just gathering a few sticks. I have a little, a little flour, a little oil. I'm just going to make a small cake. 
for me and my son, we're going to shut the door, we're going to eat it and we're going to die because that's all we have left. We don't have much. Elijah said, listen, all right, I hear what you're saying, but make me a small cake first. And she's like, man, <laughs> I don't think you hear me, but I perceive you to be a prophet. And Elijah said, thus says the Lord God, the, the, the meal and the oil will not waste until God sends rain. And she went and she did according to what the prophet said. She made him a small cake first. And then he said, make, make cake for you and your son after that. And the scripture says that the meal and the oil did not run out until the day the Lord sent rain in Israel. All right. Bookmark these stories. I'm going back to them to show you how this all ties in to what I'm saying to you. Over in 2 Kings chapter 4 verses 1 to 7, we meet another widow woman where her husband died leaving the family in debt. And the bondsmen, the creditors were coming to take her sons to be slaves. And she cried out to Elisha and said, listen, my husband served in the school of the prophets. And there must be something for being faithful to God. And Elijah asked her a question. Elisha asked her a question. What do you have in your house? You know what she said? I don't have anything, you know, except a pot of oil. I don't have anything but a pot of oil. And he gave her instructions. He said, all right, go and borrow a lot of vessels. Let your sons borrow the vessels a whole lot. She, she sent them out. They got the vessels, came back in. And she said, all right, we got the vessels, what now? He said, go into your house, close the door with you and your sons, and pour out into those vessels. She did that until there was no more vessel to pour into. She came back to the prophet and, and she said, okay, what next? He said, now go and sell, sell some, pay off your debts, and you and your family live off the rest. We go over. To the book of John, chapter 6, verse 1 to 15, where there was this, this preaching engagement that Jesus had, and there were a lot of persons there. And he said to them, listen, man, these people have been with me for three days, and I haven't eaten anything. Give them something to eat. Right? And after these things, a great multitude followed him. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come to him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. So I'm here to say, Lord, be, beware when Jesus asks you a question. Beware. He's just proving you because he already knows what he's about to do. Philip answered, 200 pennies of bread is not sufficient that everyone should take a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, which is Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? You know, look at the crowd. What, what are we going to do with five little barley loaves and two fishes? That's, not, that's nothing compared to the, the, the crowd that we are seeing. And Jesus just ignored that. He said, make the men sit down. Long and short of it all, all the people ate, about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And there were 12 baskets full 
of leftovers. 12 baskets full of leftovers. One more story. The story is told of a widow woman with the two mites in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, where Jesus sits down opposite the treasury and he was watching those who were giving. He said to his disciples, let me tell you the truth. Many of these persons here are giving out of their wealth, but this widow woman gave all that she had and take it from me. She has given more than all of those others who gave out of their abundance. I'm just letting us know, even with the money that we give, the Lord's eyes, we are told, are everywhere beholding the good and the evil. But he's also sitting across from the treasury, sitting across from the offering plate, sitting aside when we're giving our offering to see, hmm, who's just giving what they can live without? And who is giving because they trust me to take care of them? Let's put it all together now. What is it that we are holding on to or neglecting because we don't think it's significant enough to make a difference? One thing you'll find in common with all of these situations, when the question was asked, what do you have? The attitude was, I don't have anything except this. I don't have anything, the, the, the widow woman with the pot of oil. I don't have anything in the house, only a little pot of oil. The first widow in 1 Kings 17, I don't have anything much except a little meal and a little cruise of oil, probably a little bottle, a little flask. I don't have anything. When the disciples were asked, what do you have? They're like, we only have five loaves and two fishes, but what can that do for the crowd? So let, let me ask us now. I want everyone listening to challenge yourself and ask yourself this. What am I being nonchalant about because I don't see how this can make any difference? What skill set do I have? What talent do I have? What gift has the Lord given to me that can be of great significance if it's in his hand? What is it that I'm overlooking that can be used by God to work miracles beyond my wildest expectations? What am I not seeing? What am I not understanding? What am I not grasping in this situation? Do I already have what I need to see God move in miraculous ways? Do I already have the answer to that which I'm praying for? And I just don't see it because I can't see how this simple thing can, can help change things. Right? Am I, am, I, am I being nonchalant? I love to cook, but I don't see this really being profitable if I start a restaurant. I don't know. I just cook because I love it. I don't really have any skills but I, except that I love to cook. But what is that? I don't know. What, what skill do you have? I, I don't have a job right now, but I love to write. I love to decorate, but psh, that's nothing big. That's just an extracurricular activity. That's just my hobby. How can that make any significant difference? What hobby do we have? 
that was a gift that God has given us to create wealth and to change situations and generations that we are treating casually. Like these persons in the scripture, what is this? You know, I love to decorate. I love to put flowers together. I love to draw. I love to write. I love to talk. What's that? Like, I mean, psh, you know, do you know that a lot of persons make a whole lot of money just talking? How many of us have, have listened to a motivational speech? All that person did was talk and it spurred us into action. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise the gifts that God has given to you. Do not despise the talents that he has given to you. Do not despise the positions of authority and influence that he has placed us in, that he has placed you in. Do not despise God's blessing as what is this in the grand scheme of things. Put whatever it is that you have into the hands of the master multiplier and watch him work. I've tried it. I've seen it work time and time again. Where persons who are well off are doing much better. haven't been able to do half of the things that I've been able to do simply because I've trusted God with the little that I had. And he multiplied it beyond my wildest expectations. And I know some of us listening have that testimony where you saw God come through big time. And you're like, no man, this could only be God. What do all these persons have in common? Moses, Esther, the widow in 1 Kings 17, the widow in 2 Kings 4, the young boy in, in, in John chapter 6, the widow with the two mites. In Mark 12, verses 41 to 44, what did they all have in common? One, even though they didn't see what they had as any significant value, they still trusted God with it. And as a result of trusting God and being obedient to the commands given to them, they all received their miracles. No, we haven't heard about this widow woman Again, who gave the two mites, but I'm almost certain that she experienced a breakthrough because of giving her all that time in the treasury. So they were all willing, even though they didn't see what they had as anything significant, they were willing to trust God with it. And because they were willing to trust him with their mustard seed food, the mustard seed oil, the mustard seed faith of influence, God came through big time for them. And so I'm challenging us today. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not disregard or disrespect the gifts, the talents, the expertise that God has given to you as what is this in the grand scheme of things. Because little is indeed much when God is in it. That's not a cliche term. That's a real thing. And all these situations showed us that when we place the little that we have in the hands of the master multiplier, miracles will happen. Signs will happen. Lives will be changed forever and your testimonies will be read thousands of years after you have left this earth. All of these persons that we have just mentioned, they've been dead for thousands of years and we're still talking about them. Why? 
they were willing to trust God with the little that they had. Will you trust God with the little that you have? Will you give him that gift, that talent, that money? Will you give him your time? Will you give him the influence that he has given you to turn things around for him and for the kingdom's sake? Let's change our perspective from all I have is this to whatever I have is more than enough for God to use. Let me say that again. My challenge to us is that we should change our perspectives from all I have is so and so and so to whatever I have is more than enough for God to use. You might not be able to tell me about it, but when God comes through for you, go and tell somebody else what he has done. Go and share your miracles with someone else so that they too can be inspired to believe God and watch him come through. So remember, give God what you have and watch him multiply it and do exceeding abundantly above all that you are able to ask or think. I'll leave you with that. Remember, let's change our perspectives from all I have is this to whatever I have is more than enough for God to use. This is your host, the Marbigs. This is the Kingdom Concepts Podcast. This is our official first episode. And I pray that you'll be challenged. I pray that you've been blessed and that you will give God what you have. So until next time, be blessed and remember to do something with what you have and give God and watch him work for you. God bless you. Take care.